We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. When I first started focusing on Major League Baseball, it was when the great Oakland A's teams were coming up back in the 70s. So, you know, by the blue, yeah, I just loved the mix of those guys. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel, Sunday mornings on The Score. And now let's look at Vida Blue, the sensation 21-year-old left-handed pitcher. Vida, as Kurt mentioned, will be facing a power-laden National League lineup, led off by the great Willie Mays. I don't think any pitcher has ever come into this All-Star game with more pressure. This game doesn't count in the standings, but Vida Blue has just been hounded since he's been here by the press, the radio, the television, the public. Ground ball to shortstop. Aparicio up. And Willie Mays is out. One down. Henry Aaron will be the next batter. Big bounding ball to Brooks Robinson. And his throws Aaron are two down. Joe Torrey will be the next man up. A high fly to shallow center. Looks like an easy one, two, three inning for Vida Blue. Mercer lost his cap. Look out. Carew goes back. And that's it. The National League is easily retired by Vida Blue in the top of the first. Here's Vida Blue. Blue. I said, by the blue. If you're looking for a hero, exciting and new, there's a boy in Oakland named by the blue. He throws a fastball like it was shot from a gun. Everybody's talking that he's number one. That's by the blue. He's good looking. Throws BBs too. Fight <laughs> is still a youngster. Yes, he's just a boy. But let me tell you, he's the real McCoy. This was such a good find. Man, I was excited when we found this song by Albert Jones. I I know you know this. They probably used to use it. They still use it for you on the radio, on the TV out there in San Francisco and the no, Bay Area no. by the blue. No, Matt, because you have the only other copy of that thing. I think they only printed one one uh, vinyl of that, and I have a 45 back in my archive somewhere. But it's great memories, uh, especially the All-Star game. It seems like it was yesterday that I faced Willie Mays, and he hit that ground ball to Louis Aparicio, and uh, Brooks Robinson made the play on Hank Aaron, and Joe Torrey hit a little pop-up. But I gave up a home run to Hank Aaron, I think the second time I faced him. And I later found out that it was his first extra base hit in all-star competition. But he hit a ball off me in the right center field. It went as far as almost as the one that Reggie hit when he was pinch hitting for me. I think in the uh, uh, bottom of the third inning because I pitched three innings. 
and that was the norm back then. You pitched three innings, and uh, they yep. would bring in another pitch. But Reggie pitched after me and hit that home run off the light tower. But anyway, how you doing in Chicago, man? How's everything? Oh, man, we are good. Vita Blue joins us right now, courtesy of Steve and Mitch over at Autograph One. And he joins us now on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, Alpamonte Ford in Melrose Park, here on Hit and Run and 670 to score. We're doing good, man. We got, we got two first-place teams in Chicago. This does not happen in September where you get two first place teams and we're getting a chance. The Cubs we know have been on top for a while, but now it's the White Sox, a young, very passionate, exciting and fun White Sox team. Uh, baseball can be a beautiful thing when it is played well by uh, by excitable <laughs> young men. And it is it is being played well right now, Vida Blue. So we're, we're doing so well. What up? What large of there being a crosstown rivalry in the World Series? What about twenty trillion to one? Well, those odds are lower this year. They're both good. <laughs> They're both gonna get in. They're both gonna get into the postseason. But this is the irony: is that if it does happen um, this year, there's gonna be no fans, and it might be in a bubble in Arlington, Texas. What the hell is that? <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the fans are missing out, and I, I know the players miss the fans, as well as the fans miss being in the stadiums and uh, doing their thing when they cheer and boo in a respectful way to the opposing team as well as uh, the home team. You know. Yeah, can you imagine playing? What would that have been like for you to play without fans? Were you a guy that that, that fed off it uh, when you were on the mound when it was your day? Did you feed off it, or were you a guy that needed to yeah, block yeah, them out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the electricity when I walk out to the bullpen to start warming up, and then they announce the starting lineup. You know, batting third, Reggie Jackson, and the crowd goes wild. And uh, I used to feed off that, kind of like, uh, you know, you, you get the energy from that home crowd, and uh, – that's what I enjoyed. Uh, sometimes you get it from the 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 uh, road uh, visiting when you're a visiting player, you get it from that home team crowd anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. I like it when I'm in Oakland and pitching uh, and doing my thing. And we had a good run, uh, as you guys in your lead in about the A's. We did our thing for five years. We won five divisional titles and three championships in between that. So I was I was lucky to be there at the right time. Yeah, my goodness, those three straight World Series teams, and then uh, and then the Red Sox uh, get by you in in '75. But before all of that, before all of that, Vita Blue is listening to Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The greatest year of your career, one of the greatest of anyone's, really, where you win Cy Young and MVP, and I still use the trivia question of you as the switch hitter to win the American League MVP. I who's use it, it all who's the, the last American League switch hitting MVP? That's you. Now, have you, won money, I, have you won money off that? I have, I have, but and you know what? I looked at the splits. You really were a switch hitter. You were hitting lefty against righties and righty against lefties. Were you always a switch hitter, Vida? No, you. Know, I'm so screwed up, man. I do everything right-handed. I eat right-handed. I write right-handed. I throw left-handed. I used when I played football. I punt a football with my right foot. I used to comb my hair right-handed, but I still had hair. Um, I shave right-handed. I brush my teeth right-handed. So I don't know how I got to be le- – and I, I play golf right-handed. So I'm not sure what happened. I didn't go to Catholic school. They said in Catholic school the, the nuns used to beat your head with a rule if you were left-handed to make you be right-handed. But I don't know how true that is, but I've had people tell me that. But, uh, yeah, I'm – 
I'm, uh, I'm uh, as we say, Louisiana, even-handed, but the proper word is ambidextrous, I guess. There it is. All right, wait, so let's go back to Louisiana. Let's go back before 1971 then. As far as I know, <laughs> Vida Blue, you growing up in Louisiana, not just a great pitcher. You once had a no-hitter where you struck out 21 in a seven-inning game. I can do that math. That's everybody. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you also walked 10 guys and I believe lost the game, if, 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 that, if that fact is true. But here's what I'm more interested in. That as a senior, you threw as a quarterback for 3,400 yards, 35 touchdown passes, and rushed for 1,600 yards. It, all as a senior football player, did you want to play football? I know Houston recruited you. I believe Notre Dame. Did you? Do you ever look back and think, I mean, it's a hell of a baseball life that you've had, Vida Blue, but do you ever look back and think, man, what kind of quarterback would I have been? <laughs> Well, the the question would have been, would they allow me as an Af- Af- African-American player to play quarterback? You know, they mm-hmm. turned a lot of those guys into wide receivers and running backs and defensive backs. But here was, here's what happened. My father, Vita Blue Sr., who worked in a steel mill his whole life, he passed my senior year in high school. Now that, that throws, that creates a different situation for me. So... I'm oldest of six kids, so now I've got to become the breadwinner for my four sisters, brother, and my mom. So I talked my mom into going to a tryout camp in Texas, a baseball tryout camp in uh, in, in two tryout camps in Texas. And uh, they put me on, you know, I had a little profile on me, so I got drafted to play baseball, and that's how I made the decision. Of course, I went to play football. Football is my favorite sport in baseball. I just did for recreation because my other buddies and classmates played baseball but mm-hmm. i had a guy on my team played tight end and he was the center on the on the uh, basketball team he was keller winslow before keller winslow was keller winslow this guy mm-hmm. could block he could go deep he could he but uh like I say he was a outstanding basketball player he got recruited to play basketball but unfortunately for him he went to the army and the second guy that my split out my split in was a tall, linky left-handed guy named Jesse Hudson who played baseball also. And he got drafted by the Mets. Unfortunately, when he got drafted by the Mets, they had Tom Seaver Jerry Kuzman and mm-hmm. and Lynn uh, uh, Swan and uh, Tug McGraw and a guy named Nolan Ryan on the Mets. But he was just as good as I was as far as being a baseball player. But he was my split out. So that attributed to me throwing those 35 touchdown passes. Because <laughs> we ran a uh, – we ran the reason I got dra- uh, recruited by the University University of Houston was my high school ran a triple option type offense the way that the Houston Cougars ran uh, back in the day and uh, that's why they recruited me to uh, to play football at the University of Houston and uh, mm. uh, from that trip it was my first airplane ride from Shreveport, Louisiana to Houston and they knew I played baseball so I went to on a recruiting trip I went to the Astrodome to see the Houston Colt 45s, who, who later became the Houston Astros. Sure. But I spent the whole evening looking up in the top of this uh, Astrodome trying to figure out why it wasn't imploding on me, man. Somebody had, you know, those mechanical engineers know all that stuff about bending and, and weights and stuff. So I spent the whole evening trying to figure out why that thing was, how that stayed up there, man. I'm just at this dome stadium. I don't think they had put AstroTurf in at the time, but it was a great trip and a great time for me. But uh, mm. baseball has opened a lot of doors for me, Matt. So otherwise I might not have gotten a chance to speak to you today. That's exactly right. I, it, would, would you like to see more <laughs> um, 
like to see more African American kids choosing baseball, Vida. It's it's an issue now that it has been an issue for a long time. That there's just there's not that many. We've got a few in town. Um, we've got Ed Howard, uh, a great story. He was the Cubs' first round draft pick, and we follow that. And we've been talking to a lot of people about it. Why don't more kids choose baseball? You think? Well, I'm not sure, but baseball is their second sport. They play football. And baseball, they play basketball and mm-hmm. football. And baseball sometimes would be the third sport. I don't know if if they start recruiting in the in the black neighborhood or stop looking for those kids. I don't know if they if there are any black uh, scouts still out there, but something's got to be done. I'm not sure what the exact reason is why the mm-hmm. the black kids are not playing baseball or they still play, but it's not their number one sport. And it's got to change because uh, baseball is a great sport. No pun intended. It it has opened a lot of doors for me, as I said earlier. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a great sport, and I I think it's something that I glad that I chose over football. But I, I know my life as a football player. Who know? Yeah. Who knows how long that would have been the life expectancy of a football player, especially at the skill positions are you know, seven to 10 years. And I played 17 years in the major leagues and, uh, uh, for three different teams, the A's giants and, uh, uh, Kansas city Royals. But, uh, mm-hmm. I don't walk with a limp from getting my knee shattered or anything. So luckily yeah. I never had any arm surgery or injuries with, as a baseball player. And I took pretty good care of myself and I had good genes from my mother, Sally blue, who's not with us anymore. And my father, Vita blue senior, who I stated earlier that, uh, at this passing, I chose baseball because I did get drafted by the Oakland A's in uh, 1968 or 67, I think it was. But anyway, it's been a great life, Matt, and I, and I love uh, doing what I still do for the Giants as the ambassador for the game of baseball. Let's let's talk about that 1971 year, Vida. Cy Young MVP, 24 and eight, an ERA of 1.82, 24 <laughs> complete games. That that doesn't happen. <laughs> what what clicked for you um, that year, and and what clicked for you really in the big leagues to to make you the pitcher that 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 you became? Because you could always throw hard, but I'm guessing that by the time you're rolling, it's about more than just throwing hard for you. Well, you know. It is cool to be able to throw the ball 95 miles per hour plus, but you got to have location and control. The the art of pitching is having control of the ball to throw it over the plate. As far as me concerned, I want to throw strikes eight out of ten pitches. And uh, I just have to be in the right place at the right time with the A's. We had a great young team, and I was a new kid on the block, and uh, I just happened to be in that what they call used to say being in that zone and I was in the zone for a whole season and uh to pitch 300 innings 312 strikeouts whatever the number was but it was a fun time for me and uh I made it something I'll never forget it seemed like it was yesterday but it'll be 50 years next year I think it is <laughs> and uh Again, I keep saying this baseball has been very, very, very good to me, man. And it has. It's, it's the life. And uh, who would have thought a kid from Mansfield, Louisiana, would have made it to the big leagues and, and made a name for himself as a successful major league pitcher? And, uh, and I got a chance to do that. And I thank the good Lord every day for blessing me with the ability to have good health all those years. And uh, never had arm surgery, like I said. So I'm blessed in that regard to have good health in these winning days of my life. Uh, as a retired person. Evita, hey, 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 um, they used to say of the Chicago Bears ownership here in Chicago that they throw nickels around like they're manhole covers. 
right? Um, and it's a, it's a good line, but I don't know. I don't know what Chicago fans would have thought of Charlie Finley because you played for. I mean, that is. I think that is the cheapest of them all. But it's like, <laughs> give people give people an example of of what playing for Charlie Finley was like. Because well, let me. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give them. I'm going to give you this. I okay. compared him to to Ted Turner, George Steinbrenner, Donald Trump, <laughs> and that's enough. He was all those people mixed up. Oh, Al Davis. He was mixed. He's all those mm. people mixed into one, but uh, he mm. was just a tough, self-made millionaire, and uh, he just happened to get involved in baseball, and uh, he wanted to do everything his way. But there are rules and regulations and guidelines that that owners have to adhere to when they're running a baseball team, because you have this group of owners that would definitely vote you down on issues that that you think you should have the right to. He wanted to have a pinch runner, like they do in in uh, high school uh, softball, that can a designated pitch run that could pitch run for for yeah. a base a when somebody got on base anytime anywhere and they said no 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 I don't like that and which leads me to tell you about this I I know baseball is doing the best it it can to uh, to accommodate the fans through radio and TV but this thing about extra innings with a man starting out on second base that drives me wacko that just drives me crazy it does i'm actually i find myself enjoying it actually vida i, I don't miss the 17 on, 18 matt. inning Come games on, man matt that's little league stuff you can't how did he what's he on second base did he get a did he hit a double no no he did yeah, not thank you okay <laughs> but I rest they want, my case, they, Matt. Matt, they, I rest my case. Man. They want the game to end, man. They want the game to end. I feel like Matt, look, you, I you, love the you game. You know how you make Matt. Yeah. You know how you make the game end. Hit a walk off. Hit a walk off two out home run. Then you can uh-huh. go home. Yeah, you're not a fan of the leadoff two run homer, are you? By no, which, which no, man. Now? I'm a defensive specialist. I don't want. I don't want to give the guy second base automatically. Uh huh. Well, how but about? I, I guess I, I'll, I'll I'll lean towards you, just Matt. You sound like you're a nice guy. All right. Oh man. We'll leave well, him. I, at, okay. Let's put him. <laughs> put him at first base at least, not second. Damn. Uh, <laughs> Seconds too far. Like you'd be out there pitching. Like how'd that guy get that? I didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. I had nothing to do I'm, with that. I'd be pitching from the windup. Forget he's there, man. <laughs> how about seven now innings? He's third. How about seven inning double headers, Vida, in a season like this? I'm not. I'm all right with seven inning double headers. You're probably not though either. Yeah, I, I can deal with that. I understand oh, that. Look but at Matt, that. Here's all they had. All they have to do is expand the rosters, but uh, yeah. that's that's a no go. But if you expand mm-hmm. the roster, that that allows you to have more pitches. So if you if the game continues to go extra innings. Uh, you you'll you'll be set for that, but you got to mm. learn how to how to use your bullpens. It, it's it's a sprint this time. It's not the old marathon. Mm-hmm. And what do we have? What what twenty five games left now? Yeah, twenty five thirty games. Just just well, to, the just A's tw- going to have to play. I think the A's have to play a double hitter against the Mariners. Have got to play one against the Astros because they had a player that tested positive. So they had a couple of days off. They got stuck in Houston and missed a whole. They're going to fly from Houston to Seattle. They missed that whole series, and plus they were boycotting one game to show support for the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, movement when they were in the tech when they were in Dallas playing the Texas Rangers. So I think they have at least three double hitters that they've got to make up to finish the season out, man. 
How have you felt, uh, Vida, uh, before we let you go, how have you felt to, to see that as, as a black man, to see so many teams, so many players um, trying to step up and make sure the conversation is taking place about, about racial equality? How have you felt to see that? Well, I'm proud of the fact that the young players, African-American players, the few that there are, have bonded together to create this little coalition to speak out against injustices that are going on in our country. Uh, and, of course, you got to tip your cap to the NBA and LeBron James. They say that Michael Jordan was on, uh, giving them some feedback and some uh, some uh, mm-hmm. guidelines as far as trying to get this thing done. It's, it's a sad commentary to our lives that here we are in the year 2020 that these things are still going on, but that's life and, that, and life in, in, in America, man. Unfortunately, you know, if you see something, say something. And uh, we need to keep the conversation alive. Uh, boycotting and protesting, that's good. But I think everybody keeps saying uh, make your vote count. So get out and vote uh, prior to November 3rd, man. Vida Blue um, won 209 games uh, with an ERA of 327 over a long 17-year career, six-time All-Star, three-time World Series champion. And uh, Vida, this has been a pleasure. I know... I know that there were points along the way that were dark for you. I I had read where you had said there was a growing darkness that had reached you during the end of your playing career, but you sound great, man. It's really nice to hear you sounding so good, and we appreciate the time here in Chicago very, very much, sir. Matt, you know what? The next time I'm in Chicago, I'm going to put my dial on 670, hit and run, (laughs) the score. There you go. Thank you, Vida Blue. What a pleasure. (laughs) Matt, my pleasure, young man. Hopefully get to meet you one day, bro. Appreciate your kindness, and uh, and, uh, be good out there. Go Chicago. You you too. Thank you, Vida Blue. That's Vida Blue, courtesy of Stephen Mitch over at Autograph One. Boy, that was fun. 670, the score is where you are. It is hit and run. Chris Kampka will help us tie the room together when we come back. Um, Let's talk about the amazing play made last night. The best play in any game uh, across baseball. And yet it was somehow number six on MLB's ranking of the, the best plays of the day. They're wrong. StatCast is wrong, too. We'll do that next on 670 The Score. That's what I'm saying. The longer this goes, the better off the Royals are as this ball is sliced to right center. Robert lays out. Oh, no, he didn't. Outrageous 88. I told you, if it stays in the park, odds are overwhelming it's going to be caught. That was as good as it gets. Catch probability, maybe 10%, maybe 15%. Luis was looking up at the scoreboard to look at his handiwork, and this is really impressive. This is slicing away from him into right center field. The flat-out dive in the glove securely. Wow. I mean, you play that forward, that that could very easily be a game-saver. that Jason Benetti says it could be a game saver. It's a two-run game last night. The Royals trailing the White Sox 5-3. That is the leadoff man in the ninth inning against Alex Colomay. Colomay the night before had thrown 40 pitches in a save. But he's there and looking to do the job. It's pitch number one. If Robert doesn't make that catch, that's a double, maybe more if it gets by and squeezes all the way to the wall. And the situation becomes very tight. The margin becomes super thin for Alex Colomay, 
who, as I mentioned, threw 40 pitches and maybe all of a sudden he's battling and you're deeper into the bullpen and things are changing. But that's the catch that Luis Robert makes last night. I saw um, some tweets just now about Luis Robert, um, about folks talking about uh, talking with him before the game and him saying at first he didn't think the catch was that good. He became convinced after seeing the replay a few times. Welcome to our world, Luis. Actually, we knew it was good the first time. But if you watch the replay of that thing, it is unbelievable. 15% catch probability, Steve Stone. I heard you say 10 as a guess, and a good guess it was. But 15% is what StatCast says. Bah! Humbug, StatCast. I disagree with you. Do they? Did you look it up? Can you get the definition of catch probability for me, Sean Anderson? Because he's positioned in left center. Are they taking the positioning into account when they do that? Or are they just comparing all of the batted balls that go to that spot with that exit velocity, with that launch angle, to see whether it's going to be a catch or not? Because Luis was shaded towards left center. He runs 86 feet took an absolutely perfect line to that ball. And then it is a full-on, high-speed, full-speed dive and an outstretched hand and a catch in the webbing of the glove. Technically, it is a five-star play. According to StatCast, it is the first five-star play of his career. Call it a wow play for Luis Robert. And if we're counting wow plays, we're counting holy bleep moments for Luis Robert. We're, we're above five already in a short, weird, odd season. For catch probability, this is from MLB.com. Catch probability represents the likelihood that a batted ball to the outfield will be caught based on four important pieces of information tracked by StatCast. One, how far did the fielder have to go? Two, okay. how much time did he have to get there? Three, what direction did he need to go in? And four, what was the proximity to the wall? Okay. All right. So good. That, that has everything, how far he had to go, where he was, all of that. So all of that counted in there. Well, but it's wrong. 15%. Come on, man. Now they do no. say that it has to be in like uh 5% in, in, uh, in, in, in intervals. So if, you know, it might've been like 11%, but since it's above 10%, they have to round it up to 15. They round it up. They don't round it down. If it's 11 or 12 or 12.5, this is the important stuff, by the way. This is like, this is the valuable stuff. There is rounding involved. I don't know exactly. <laughs> I, I would assume that if it's probably, you know, 12 and a, 12 and a half, they round it down to 10. I'm going to add, uh, by virtue of suggestion, and it's a good one, I will go ahead and add Jackie Bradley Jr. into the very short list of center fielders who might have made that play. It is a list that I do not have Mike Trout on. It is a list that includes Byron Buxton. By the way, do we have what Byron, Byron Buxton did last night? Let me know if we do have that, Sean. But, Slowly, left side, Buxton flying down the line. He beat it, and the Twins win the game. A four-hopper to the shortstop, and Buxton's blazing speed walks off the Tigers. If, if you were watching White Sox Twins last week, you saw Buxton go up and steal one from Encarnacion, steal a home run. He's fabulous. And there he was with a walk-off infield single, and he was pumped. I like that dude. I've always liked that dude. The tools have always been there. He has underwhelmed. There have been injuries. Now he's back. If he makes contact, whew, he's, he's trouble. And he changes things for the Twins with his presence defensively 
uh, and on the base paths. Beats out a, a, a ground ball to short for a walk-off infield single last night. But, yeah, I've got Buxton. I've got Kevin Pillar, maybe Kevin Kiermeyer, I've got Jackie Bradley Jr. and Luis Robert with the ability to make that catch. I think you have to fully put in Kiermeyer. I'm looking up uh, catch probability right now in five-star outs. Three for seven, Kiermeyer is. He's got a 42% chance of converting a five-star catch probability play. Man, they're so good. And nobody talks about them. We had Dave Wills on Inside the Clubhouse yesterday. And just, there's so much about what the Rays do that is just, it's just absolutely money. From the front office to the manager to uh, to the players and how they go about things. How they string together offense with guys you haven't heard of. How they play terrific defense. And how they stood up to the Yankees this week was beautiful. It's hit and run on 670 to score. We always try to squeeze in great things from the week. And I want you to hear this if you did not hear this. Uh, there are a lot of, of young Latin players in Major League Baseball on your favorite team all over the game. And a lot of them struggle. I'll recommend a movie called Sugar, if no one has ever seen it. It's a, 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 a dramatization of an all-too-common story where a young Latin American player fights his way through the minor leagues, trying to make it, living with host families, having cultural issues, having language issues all the way along. And it's, uh, it's difficult to watch at times because it's a, it's, a, it's a hard situation. Well, this week, Eric Kratz, who you may know from the score, friend of, uh, of the afternoon show, a uh, guy that Danny Parkins got friendly with in Kansas City and has been on the station quite a few times, um, Eric Kratz, the, the backup catcher, longtime backup catcher with multiple teams, was asked this week about mentoring young Latin players and young, specifically young Latin pitchers because catchers at their best, catchers are, are, are relationship guys. They want to help pitchers be the absolute best they can be. They take pride in that. It's part of why catchers become such good managers so often is because they really get in there, get in the head of their battery mates and try to make them better. Yasmani Grandal has talked about it a lot, the new White Sox catcher, who, by the way, has come on and had a very good offensive run here uh, after a rough start. James McCann has talked about it. Wilson Contreras has worked on it greatly. David Ross, one of the best, and now a terrific manager in the early stages of his managerial career, in part because of his role as a catcher and the relationships that he forged. I want you to listen to Eric Kratz when he was asked about helping young Latin American pitchers. I don't know, like, you're probably going to get me a little emotional, but... I love... I love seeing what they can do. And I think sometimes some people forget where they come from. Some people forget that they want it just as badly. And there's people at home that want it just as badly for them. And they're not, they're not around them. They're not around their family. They're not around their, the people there. So being older, being, you know, hopefully I can be somebody that can step in and help that relationship. And not everyone sees it. My Spanish isn't that great, but it's something that's that I try and I want it to be good. And now I get to cry on Zooms 
because I got kids too, and I hope somebody would treat my kids that way. That's awesome. That's Eric Kratz talking about why he cares, why he gives a crap about helping these young pitchers. Their families aren't here. They're alone. And he's older now. He knows that eventually he's going to have his kids in certain situations where he's hoping guys are kind to them. He's hoping that guys help them. And man, what a dude. It's crazy. He will have a long and uh, very, very fortuitous managing career or coaching career when he's done, if he wants it. He may just want to go home and hang out with his kids. But I don't know. He's still playing. He is still playing, that's for sure. All right, before we take a break and get to our final guest uh, on the show, the man who ties the room together, I told you we like to play good stuff from during the week. This is Freddie Freeman, the Braves' first baseman, talking about um, the guys he likes to have conversations most with at first base. Freddie is a social dude. When people get to first base, hey, welcome. Welcome. They used to call Sean Casey the mayor. Freddie Freeman is up there in terms of his sociability. And he mentions a couple locals here, and he gives you the top five guys that he likes to have conversations with when they get to first base. Okay, yeah. So I'm I try and be as nice as I can. Um, you know, getting a hit in a big league ball game is pretty special. It doesn't matter who you are, getting a hit in a at a big league game. So I, I always say congrats, nice swing, always when you get the first base. So uh, I love uh, Bryce Harper and I have great conversations. Um, the last time we just played him, we were talking about kids. You know, I got two on the way. He's got a, he's got one on the way too. So we we're talking about how uh, awesome our wives are that we get to play baseball, and they're uh, they're 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 nailing it at home for us to be able to do that. Uh, Rizzo. He's one of my favorites. It's usually more first baseman because yep. everyone has the same personality, you know, most of the time. Uh, Joey Votto, I love getting over there because it's just interesting. Um, you never know what's going to happen <laughs> over there with Joey. So I love those conversations. Uh, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman and I, uh, we usually talk about fantasy football because we play them a lot, you know, in September going down the stretch. So we're always yeah. talking about the draft and stuff because Ryan's not stealing a base. So I don't have to worry about him running. He's always like two feet off the base. So we're good. Um, number five, um, you know, I love when Jay Hay, you know, my best friend uh, gets the first base. Um, we go back 15 years. So it's always great to get over there. Yeah. And we just talk. It's, uh, Freddie Freeman talking about the guys he loves to have conversations with when they get to first base. Rizzo and Jason Hayward, that's his best friend, came up together as young guys in the Atlanta system. Good stuff. It's hit and run right here on 670 The Score. After me, when I'm out of here, CBS Radio, uh, CBS Sports Radio will be on. At 2 o'clock, Anthony Heron and Layla Rahimi from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. this afternoon. They'll have Tony Andraki from the Marquee Sports Network on at 4 o'clock. And Lee Steinberg, super agent, quarterback whisperer, Lee Steinberg, will be on with Anthony and Layla at 3 p.m., as I'm sure they'll be talking about, among other things, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. One more segment of Hit and Run. It's Cam Connections to wrap it up on a Sunday morning. That's next, coming up right here on 670 The Score. This segment is uh, brought to you by Valparaiso University. We all want to be part of something bigger. At Valparaiso University, you can be part of something bigger without losing yourself in the crowd. 
and you'll discover that making the world a better place isn't wishful thinking. Visit valpo.edu to request information, apply, or schedule a visit. Back with more on Hit and Run next. The average miss in, on, in, the, in the MLB is like, 17 inches. Here, do you know the human head was eight pounds? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we have had some fun all year long on Hit and Run. Hopefully back with you again on a Sunday this month. A boy can dream. It is football season, you know. And still here, us, we rage against the dying of the light that is the baseball season. We just got started. Not supposed to be this close to being over. But you know what it's been? Fabulous. Really, really fun. Two first place teams in town. The Cubs with smoke and mirrors perhaps still up two and a half games on the Cardinals with nine games in hand. It's a crazy, crazy thing. And on the south side, they are 10 games over 500 for the first time since May of 2016 when they still had a prospect named Fernando Tatis. Then they traded him, then they fell apart, then they traded Chris Sale, and they switched lanes, and they're no longer mired in mediocrity because they're really, really good, are the Chicago White Sox. Right now, it is hit and run, wrapping up for you on 670 The Score with uh, the man that we like to wrap things up with. In a bow, tying the room together like a fine area rug should, he is our man, Chris Kampka, the Sultan of Stat from NBC Sports Chicago. The uh, we get ourselves cam connected on a weekly basis here on Hit and Run. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm well. I'm a little bummed though because one of my favorite stats of the year got ruined yesterday. Although it was inevitable that would happen. What? What? Which one was it? What? What got oh, ruined so, for you? So entering yesterday, the um, Ian Happ was tied for the lead in home runs hit at Wrigley Field with Jose Abreu. <laughs> up, up until yesterday, Jose Abreu had a share of the most home runs at Wrigley Field this season, which I'm terribly amused by. And then yeah. Hap go ahead and hit two home runs. He's having an amazing season, and uh, it's no longer true. Took all the way until September. Can you imagine if I were to tell you in yeah. January that it would take until September for Jose Abreu to relinquish his lead or share of the lead in home runs at Wrigley Field? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Sorry that Ian Happ had to hit two of them yesterday in the first game of a doubleheader and end that for you, uh, Chris Kapka. You know what? We've been talking a lot about Jose Abreu t- today. I, have I even mentioned the man's on a 19-game hitting streak? That's crazy to have a slugger yeah. on a 19-game hit streak. That's, that's a tremendous accomplishment in this weird-ass year. Yes, and consider this. If you were to make it to 20 today... He would be the first player in White Sox history to have a 20-game hitting streak or more with at least 10 home runs during the streak because he's got 10 home runs during the 19 games. Wow. And and in those 19 19 games, um, the White Sox are 15-4. and Coincidence? I think not. Probably not a coincidence. I would say no. Yeah, no, I know. Um, what what are your thoughts so far on the unique skill set and the way that it has manifested for Nick Madrigal, who's got, uh, I believe, 14 hits on the year. Every time I see him, it feels like it's going back up the middle. They'll start shading him that way, but maybe he's one of those guys with such um, ball-to-bat control that he'll just hit it in whatever holes are created. Your thoughts on Madrigal so far, sir? Mm-hmm is one of my favorite things about this season to watch. Uh, he, I, 
I, you know, he's at the bottom of the order. Um, but whenever he's up, I'm, I'm glued because it's 16 hits and he only has three strikeouts. So that's a ratio of 5.33, repeating, hits for every strikeout. He's the only player in the majors this year at least 10 hits and a ratio of hits to strikeouts of at least five. Um, he is as advertised. Yeah, I mean, I thought there would be a little drop-off, but so far there's not. Um, if you look at it with at least 10 hits, it's a small cutoff here. The only player to do that each of the last two seasons at all, Williams Astadio of the Twins, who has a similar kind of skill set. He did it each of the last two years. Nobody else has done it. Wow. Um, is the only one to do it this year. And you have to go all the way back to 2008 for the last White Sox player to do it with at least 10 hits, and it was Pablo Ozuna who only had 18 hits, the three strikeouts. It's, I mean, that's a, just a couple of games sample. So for a significant size sample, you have to go back to 1997 when our Ozzie Guillen, 120 hits, 24 strikeouts. 1997, he did that. So it's very rare to see a player strike out, or strike out so few compared to the amount of hits that he gets. It's such a unique skill set, which makes Madrigal must-see TV for me, at least. Mm. It's it's pretty it's pretty interesting where he fits across of baseball and he fits really well in this particular lineup because of uh, because of everything else that is around him. There's it, it's a really good fit for for what this particular lineup needs. I don't know I don't know what the long term career uh, ceiling is for a guy like Nick Madrigal. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. As uh, as baseball moves forward in this particular era, yeah, I, I can't figure it out either, um, because he's so different. But I'm just enjoying the ride so far. I mean, it's hard to put a comp on him. I mean, you could put a comp something like Ozzy Smith had similar things where he didn't strike out much and he stole bases, similar kind of thing. But obviously, he's a different, another stratosphere in terms of fielding. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even Tony Gwynn to an extent, the hits, the strikeouts. But I mean, Tony Gwynn's a Hall of Fame level talent. I don't know if Nick Mandrigal's there. Um, he, he, I mean, just to say a guy's not a Hall of Famer is not a slight in any respect. I mean, he'd still be a very good player. I don't know. I'm just excited to see where this goes. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've been I've been thinking about Michael Young, but he struck out a bunch, actually. He struck out more than 100 times, five different times in his career. Um, did not homer and... Uh, you know, but it, but he struck out a lot more than Madrigal has. All right, let's flip sides. Um, maybe the best pitcher in all of baseball, uh, Jacob Degrom, would have something to say about that. But guess what? His last start was worse than any start so far this year for you, Darvish. Just a man at the absolute peak of his powers, and his powers are remarkable. Maybe the best stuff in all of baseball. What what has been blowing you away about Darvish so far this well, year? Chris? It's hard to argue. Last seven, he's seven and zero with an 0.98 ERA. A grand total of five runs allowed in his last seven starts. So if you take that since that first start of that stretch, which is July 31st on, there have been 82 appearances across the majors where a pitcher has allowed more than five runs in a single game. So Darvish has just been unbelievable. And within this, going even back to last year, he has now had 26 straight starts in which he has allowed two or fewer walks dating back to last June 10th. He just, just he was so shaky with this with the control walking everybody and then he just he said enough and he just stopped walking guys. It's, it's an amazing transformation. 
Um, During that stretch from June 10th last year on, he has struck out 214, which is tied for fourth in the majors in most strikeouts. And he has walked only 20, which is tied for 234th most walks over that span. Wow. It's uh, it, it, it is it is remarkable. And this is it, it. Is it as rare as this air as rare as it feels to be striking out this many and walking so few for Darvish? It must be. Well, it's gotten more more and more um, over the last few years. We'd see more guys do that kind of thing. Verlander's mm-hmm. been way up there. Chris Sale, when he's on top of his game, can can be right there. Um, but the fun thing is, I mentioned he has 26 straight starts with two or fewer walks allowed. Uh, that's not even the longest active streak on his own team because Kyle Hendricks is going 37 straight and count. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, he's not striking out men in in the um, bunches that Darvish is, but um, quite impressive to have that kind of uh, control, especially when you have other issues in the bullpen and stuff like that. But yeah. it's just a fun ride to watch Darvish. He is exactly what the Cubs thought he was when they signed him, and it's good to see a player be what he's supposed to be and you can enjoy watching a pitch every other every other time he's out. Absolutely. Chris Camp, good, great stuff as always, man. A pleasure, buddy. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the baseball. These are, these are rare and special times for this two-team town, so enjoy it, sir. Thank you. I will, and it's been a fun ride so far. Yeah. Absolutely. It's hit and run on 670. The score of that man is Chris Kamka, who joins us on the Alpamani Ford Hotline. Alpamani Ford is in Melrose Park. I'm looking right now at the all-time leaders in strikeouts per nine innings among pitchers. The all-time leaders. This is a minimum of 1,000 innings pitched and 500 games uh, appeared in. So it's a minimum of 1,000 innings pitched. Um, for pitchers, so it's a minimum of 1,000 innings pitched. And the all-time leaders, most of them are active. There's only one in the top six who's not active, and that's the great Randy Johnson at 10.608 strikeouts per nine innings. There's only two others in the top 10 who are not active. Kerry Wood, Cubs great Kerry Wood, is over 10 strikeouts per nine innings in his career. He's number seven. Pedro Martinez is number nine. Those top nine are the only guys over 10 in their career. There's only two pitchers in the history of baseball with this minimum who have struck out more than 11 men per nine innings. And their names are Chris Sale and Yu Darvish. Yu Darvish is number one all time in strikeouts per nine. So if that is uh, an important part of the game, and I do believe it is, you Darvish is at the very, very top. There's a tremendous amount of active guys here as strikeouts have climbed and climbed. And there's some active guys who you don't think of because now they've transitioned to lives of relief. Francisco Liriano is on this list. Oliver Perez is on this list. One of the more amazing stats I saw all week is Clayton Kershaw, who reached his uh, a, a strikeout milestone for Clayton Kershaw. He's got 2,505 strikeouts. And of all the left-handed pitchers in the history of the game with more than 2,500 strikeouts, no one has an ERA under three except Clayton Kershaw. 2.43 is his career ERA 
amazing to go along with those 2,505 strikeouts. Kershaw is having a very, very good year. And he and Walker Bueller and uh, Julio Urias, along with uh, a, a tremendous bullpen out there in L.A., is why the Dodgers are the front runner. The best records in baseball, the best record belongs to the Dodgers, the highest winning percentage in all of baseball. The Tampa Bay Rays are next after that. Then it's the Oakland A's. And then it's the Chicago White Sox with a 625 win percentage. Following them are the Indians and the Twins. It looks like all three of those teams from the Central are likely to make the playoffs. And after that, then you get to the Chicago Cubs, still comfortably in first place in the National League Central at two and a half games. John Lester tonight for the Cubs. Kyle Hendricks tomorrow in very, very important games. I want to thank all of you for joining me on Hit and Run today. Thank you for listening at 312-644-6767. Thank you for texting. You can find me on Twitter at MattSpiegel670. Go to my website at MattSpiegel.com. That's where you'll see my podcast, Our Game, which happens over there. It's where you'll see Good Comp, Bad Comp, the product and project that I do with uh, Jason Bonetti. It's where you'll see Sonic 45, the band I'm in with Len Casper, as well as many other things and many other ways to get me there. Back with you on Inside the Clubhouse next week. And Hit and Run will find its way into your ears this September. I promise you that, even in the face of the Bears season. Thank you to Vita Blue, who was tremendous fun to have on. Thank you to Tom Fornelli and Joe Roderick and Chris Kampka. And thank you all year for a great, great job by Sean Anderson. The Phenom! Coming up next, it's CBS Sports Radio, then Anthony Heron and Layla Rahimi at 2 o'clock. Cubs-Cardinals pregame begins at 5 o'clock tonight right here on 670 The Score. Have a great day, everybody. This is out toward right field. Going back on it is Tucker. He's watching it go. That is gone. Career home run number 300 for Mike Trout. And he sits atop the Angels' home run leaderboard all by himself. Congrats to Mike Trout, number 300. What a swing that was. Right center for Trout. South Jersey. He's Northern Jersey on that one. Trouty, number 300. Congrats. That's where our game, and I say our because I love it so much. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 